name is Jen and I'm the VP of Deliverability and Industry Relations here at Kickbox. I'm very happy to be here today to discuss a real life uh, example of how best practices, careful planning, and patience work together to move a sender that has found themselves in a spammy predicament back to the inbox. And joining me today is Ron Dorsey, Director of Lifecycle Marketing at Ergo. Welcome, Ron. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to you and happy to uh, talk about this topic since deliverability and email reputation are things that I think a lot of marketers struggle with. So hopefully the real life example can kind of pull back the curtain and shed a little bit of light. Absolutely. Um, so before we jump in, can you tell me a little bit about Ergo and what you focus on as director? Happy to. So at Ergo, we're on a mission to help people hear life to the fullest again. Right? So more than 40 million Americans are currently suffering from some type of hearing loss, but only one in seven actually seeks treatment. Mm -hmm. So there's an odd stigma with hearing and hearing aids. Um, you don't really see this with a lot of other medical conditions like eyesight. Right? When the average person feels like their eyesight is deteriorating, they generally seek treatment immediately, have no issue wearing glasses, which effectively tells the world that they need help seeing. Mm -hmm. Hearing loss is a little bit different though. There's this odd stigma attached that it only happens to the elderly. It's a sign of aging and it's something to be embarrassed about and, and hide. And yeah, your hearing can get worse as you age, but there's a lot of reasons for hearing loss and none of them are a cause to be embarrassed, right? It's just something that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. The issue is that the average person waits about seven years to seek treatment, right? So imagine from the time that you recognize you have hearing loss to seven years later, how much worse that's going to be. So we want to help people not be self-conscious about wearing hearing aids. So we've designed Ergos to be virtually invisible. They fit completely inside the ear canal. Mm -hmm. And we've just launched our newest device, Ergo 5, which is completely customizable through our mobile app by you for your specific hearing preferences, fully supported from our team of licensed hearing professionals. So that's, that's Ergo. Um, second part of your question, what do I do? I'm responsible for managing our touch cadence post lead acquisition. So through the various lead nurturing stages, through purchase, post purchase, all of the onboarding and maintenance, primarily through the email and SMS channels. That's awesome. And honestly, just thinking about the seven years that you mentioned, I just never really thought about that way. And there's such a big gap between really kind of identifying it and a proper diagnosis and, and support. So I'm sure I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Um, but back to why we are here, because I'm sure I could talk to your ear off about that topic for <laughs> another no hour. <laughs> let's, let's transition to why we're here today. So we've worked together, what feels like many, many moons ago. Um, and we've kept in touch over the years, which has been really wonderful. And when you told me your story about deliverability and, and the success that you had, I knew that it was something that at some point in time, I'd want to share it, which brings us to today. And in talking about deliverability, we often spend so much time talking about the methods and you should do this, you should do that, but we don't ever really talk to um, a user about how they've put it in practice and how it's worked for them and having those real life examples. So I'm excited to have you here today to share what you did at Ergo um, and how you moved your mail at Gmail from the spam folder with a bad reputation to the inbox with a high reputation. So let's jump in. I have a few questions to walk you through. Okay, like 10. <laughs> 
Um, when you first started working on the email program at Ergo, what were the issues that you were seeing and how did you identify them? Sure. So the main issue was, was poor engagement, and that was likely due to a poor sending reputation. So we were seeing extremely low open rates. And part of the issue is that we had limited visibility into that reputation. So there wasn't a lot of knowledge around what was causing the issue at the time. Right. And I can imagine that must have felt like a huge hill that you had to climb, but you didn't even see the hill or know where to begin. So I know for me, when planning a strategy, I have to take into account where I am, but also where I want to go. So before you started actually building out your plan, what was your goal and and where did you want to go? Uh, Generally speaking, it was to get our message in front of more people, right? So we were capturing opted in leads that had raised their hand. They had gotten over that hurdle of recognizing that they had some hearing loss and have requested information but we weren't able to get our emails delivered to them. So effectively we weren't delivering upon our promise to send them the information that they wanted, Mm -hmm. which regardless of industry, whether you're talking about leads or customer, you know, it's a poor experience for customers and it's, it's bad for your brand. Yeah, definitely. I, I can imagine being someone who requests stuff and then it never comes. It could even degrade a little trust that way. If you're expecting something and then you never get it. Um, and it takes away from this whole onboarding and maintenance, just the, the brand and the relationship that you're building right from the get-go. So um, to change that, though, you had to obviously go through an improvement plan. And in preparing to improve your reputation and the inboxing, what information did you gather and how did you put that into a plan? Sure. So first step was to audit everything that was currently in place and try to identify gaps. So we looked at everything from our DNS records, authentication, you know, were SPF and DKIM and and all of those things set up, which domains were we using to send, which IPs we were using to send. Mm -hmm. We looked at all the various emails that were being sent out um, and their content. So we looked at everything that was automated, everything that we were manually sending from a marketing standpoint, emails that were coming from our sales team. Um, really just important to, to take a look and see everything that was going on. So we had all the information and then we could start to potentially see what are the potential problem areas and where do we need to start kind of building a plan based on what we know is, is currently happening. So that's fantastic. I think one of the things that when you're really looking at your program and to improve it, the thing that's overlooked is authentication and setup and really looking at the whole picture and I think starting from the beginning and really your setup is the best place to at least start to make sure your foundation is there before you continue forward. So take me through now that you have all that information, your actual plan and how you measured its effectiveness. Sure. So after the audit, the plan itself actually came together pretty quickly. So I saw that we didn't have a solid foundation to build upon. So that's where we started, right? So we updated our DNS records. We got the proper entries for SPF, DKIM. We even prepared, you know, almost two years ago for BIMI just so that that foundation was there. And, and when the domain started supporting that, we wouldn't have to go back and make further changes. Mm-hmm. Then we also set up visibility through tools like Google Postmaster and Microsoft SNDS, which I always want to say sends just because it seems more natural. Um, So next thing we did, we split our traffic across two IP addresses. We took all of our automations and our triggered emails and we put them on one IP address. 
and we took all of our marketing communications on a separate one. That way we'd be able to isolate if there were any issues that arose and try to diagnose the source of it would just make it easier knowing which group of messages was potentially causing an issue. And part of that process, you know, we had to work with our ESP to get that, uh, that set up and make sure we had feedback loops in place as well. Mm-hmm. Once that was all done and the foundation was all there, then we had to develop the plan to repair the sending reputation. And specifically, as you called out earlier, we were looking at Gmail. Because like most B2C companies, half of our list are Gmail addresses, mm-hmm. right? And as you know, much harder to repair a damaged reputation than it is to start from zero, but that's the hole that we were in and that's what we had to deal with. So drawing upon the wealth of information that I learned from you over the years working with our clients, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I have a very specific plan for sending email to Gmail and had to break it down to actual accounts and actual dates that we mail. So we had about 50,000 Gmail addresses that had previously been sent to. And and again, we were seeing about a 1% open rate. So obvious that there was something wrong there. Mm -hmm. So I put together a a 90 day plan and the plan was to roll out, stick, adhere to this. And at 90 days, assess where we were and see what adjustments we needed to make. And started out on day one by looking at who has opened an email in the past 30 days at Gmail. So that was kind of our starting population. And on day one, we sent 50 emails, right? And just so everybody hears that clearly, that's five, zero, 50. <laughs> Two days later, we sent hundred emails. Two days later, we sent 150 emails. So we took this newsletter that would typically go out to thousands of people on a single day and get junk or not get delivered. And we had to break it up and deliver this over a period of three to four weeks, right? Really start spoon feeding Gmail a little at a time. Mm -hmm. So we started doing that. We started to see the open rate increase. Um, But really before we even did that, I had to set internal expectations on what was going on because the message was always, we have 50,000 records, send them out. So going to management and other stakeholders and saying, okay, day one, our newsletter is going up to 50 people it really just kind of quiets the room and, and everybody <laughs> won't why, right? So we had to educate on what the plan was and why we were doing it. And as you know, you know, we saw no change at first, but that was to be expected. After a while, we started to see an increase in open rates and increase in click rates. Eventually we saw that reputation go from bad to low to medium and, and eventually work its way up to high. But the temptation we had to fight was the minute you see that reputation getting into a good spot to then open up the floodgates and dump all 50,000 people back into the program. That's exactly the behavior that got us in trouble in the first place. Mm -hmm. So it was a long, slow grind. Um, Again, you know, you start out by sending 50 emails. It's it's pretty small and it's a lot of labor, Mm -hmm. but we got back to a point where we could mail our entire Gmail list and get that list up to, you know, six months, nine months rolling engagement, but, uh, but it wasn't without a lot of that's awesome. It's like the perfect model that you typically will hear from a, a consultant. That's like, you got to start slow and kind of rebuild almost, almost start from scratch in a way. Um, and one of the things I loved about your plan, um, how you described it and the things that you went through is that it, it took a lot of time and effort, but there was no magic trick up your sleeve that you would just say, Oh, I'm going to go talk to someone and we're going to be in a better position because it doesn't work that way. Um, what you did instead was that 
by reducing to just engaged in very small volumes. You were, for those who were engaging and getting your newsletters, you let the customers speak for you. And by drowning out all that noise, their voices were heard. And once that happened, Gmail then was able to more willingly say, okay, I'm going to start to filter a little bit more in each day and I'll see if this continues to see if people engage. And if they do, I'll allow a little bit more. And that slowly allowed the reputation to build for your program over time. And it's really a great testament to persistent and patience. And that is something that I think is really hard to um, put on a, a must have when you're rebuilding reputation. Patience can be difficult because a lot of times dollars are on the line, but it's necessary if you want to get to that goal. Um, and I also liked how in your description of what you've done with your program, you took the initiative to change your setup. Sometimes you are given a setup and you stick with it, but you went through and said, I'm going to split my streams. And that not only helped um, the receiver better classify your mail because it knows consistently I'm receiving transactional notes or something like that. And these are promotional, but it also allows you as the sender to identify where the issues were. So then you could really focus and make your adjustments going forward. Um, and so what I'm going to do now, because I, I really loved your plan, you shared some visuals with me. So I want to share a few slides that we put together with uh, what you shared so one moment, let me know if you can see it. So here, I'm going to pull up a few slides to show visually what you just talked us through, because I really liked what you did. And I wanted to give, um, for me, I'm a visual learner. So I wanted to put some visuals to this. So um, you helped to share some of this data that you um, went through to actually look at. This is some of the stuff that you actually put together to go through your plan. So here, as you highlighted, um, you start off with poor metrics. So your reputation uh, with your IP, your actual promotional IP was bad. It was in the dark red. And then your uh, more transactional one-to-one um, -one type communications were hovering in medium. So they weren't bad. Uh, it wasn't a bad thing to be medium, but it, it's not your best, especially for that type of audience or that type of stream. And then your domain itself was bad. And one thing I noticed from that is that, and you had even mentioned the fact that your domain was in such a poor state and the reputation was so low that it really did bleed into your IPs a little bit. And we can say that by following the trajectory of how you improved um, reputation throughout this plan that you had. So looking at, here we go. Here's a quick little snapshot of your plan and the metrics that you were looking at. So this is just a, a little visual of what you were looking at. I know you had a lot more that you went through. You were very consistent up front. Um, although you didn't launch every day, you launched consistently. And then as you built up your volume and you built your reputation, you also moved your, your cadence into more of a cadence that you'd have on a day-to-day -day had you not had any reputation issues at all. So that's something that's a really good habit too. You want to train the filters. You want to get them familiar with what they should be expecting from you moving forward. And so you're not going to want to just do every day and then stop. So you, you transitioned everything. You transitioned your volume, transitioned how often you send and the, the quality of the audience that you were sending as well. And so as you built, you can see in your graph that um, your engagement definitely started to improve. And one thing I wanted to point out here is that 
when you, and you mentioned this before, when you were looking at the analysis of your current state of your program, even through reputation building and any type of adjustments, you want to look holistically. So if you only focused on the metrics to the left, you'd see inboxing was 0%. So you might be thinking we're not doing well, all this work and we haven't progressed. And that was on day 10. But you can see that on day 10 in your engagement metrics, you're definitely seeing an improvement. So sometimes one metric alone isn't what you should go by. You really should look at the whole picture because another one comes in to then say, okay, something else is happening, something's shifting, and it's either really good or it's bad, or maybe it's the same, but it's good to look at everything holistically. And that's one thing that I think I see quite often with improving reputation, but also when you're maintaining reputation, sometimes one thing dips, but the others don't. So you have to really watch and see how they, they work together. And so moving into the concept of delays or like different dates, even here, when you look at reputation, that too was a little delayed. So your engagement was on day 10 improvement, but your reputation didn't start to jump until day 11. And so again, there, it's another data point, but as you were very patient and you kept checking every day, you were able to see this change in this growth. So you knew you were on the right track. And so that was, that's something that I thought was really great about your plan and how you approached it. And if things really were truly bulk, bulking, you wouldn't see that change in engagement. You wouldn't see the chart just keep going up and you wouldn't see your reputation start to shift either. So that's something that um, I hope people take away from how you approach this and how you are measuring it is that, you know, just keep looking at the trending. Don't necessarily react after day one, but watch and see what happens day over day. So yeah, and, and, and sorry, I'll jump in real quick. One thing you mentioned on here that that's probably good for people to know on that last slide, you know, when you when you see the jump at day 10 or you see the difference at day 30, mm -hmm. that's not calendar days since we started mailing. Those are actual right. Sundays. So if you look at the chart on the left, right. you know, we started off by mailing every other day. And to your point, once things started to get better and we got into larger volumes, we started to mail every third day and then every fifth day and then every seventh day until we kind of backed off into that consistent routine that was going to more mimic what we would be doing live. Right. So there was, there was great improvement here. And again, the, the temptation for sharing this information with others within the company is that the minute they see the improvement at day 10 or the huge improvement by day 24 is to fight the temptation to immediately say everything's perfect dump all 50,000 people back in. Right, exactly. And so in saying that, when you look at um, the metrics, it took 31 sending days. Oh, I have to correct that spelling mistake, but 31 sending days uh, of actual, before you saw, you know, to get where you're at and to get an, a really good spot reputation wise. Again, that was over about 82 days, at least from start to finish of where I wouldn't even say finish because you're still going through, but about 82 days from like bad reputation to now we're looking closer to high, medium, high consistently. So it's quite a lengthy, it really, I mean, you had a 90 day plan. So I was about roughly where you were at, which is good. I mean, three months, um, I think is a success. Some could take longer depending on what their needs are and their list composition. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised that it only only took 90 days. I was kind of, you know, in it for the long haul and setting expectations internally that 
that it was going to be a long, slow grind. And to some people, I mean, 90 days is a long time to not be talking to a large part of your list. But right. the mind shift there was, yeah, we were sending 50,000 emails, but you know, literally six people were opening it. So right. backing off, backing off and sending 50 and then 150, you know, you look at the raw numbers and the raw numbers of opens increased pretty quick. So it, it's just a mind shift. Um, I would say for anybody going through a reputation repair or starting on a new IP address, you know, be prepared for, for three to six months of ramp up time. Mm -hmm. Yep. And you can see here, you started in December. Now you're in June and I know you hit there before then, but you've been able to maintain this high reputation, which is fantastic. And even looking at your domain reputation, because they do both factor in differently to um, performance, your domain reputation is high. And I kept, I liked this graph because it shows that all, all programs don't always just stay high at all times. Sometimes you dip and that's okay. It's again about trending and you're back high. And since we got this chart, you've been high, but the dips are fine because sometimes it's a small shift on their side. Sometimes there's just a shift in what's happening in your audience. Um, I think as long as you just continue to, to come up and you're staying there and all the metrics that you're using are, are staying there as well, you're going to be fine and not to panic after one day of one dip. It's all about trending and what you see. So, and I, you know, you briefly touched on this, but from your plan, what behaviors do you maintain that you think help keep your program healthy? Like we see here in, in the high status. Sure. So tool wise, I can tell you, we look at our reputation daily. So it was literally a calendar reminder every morning at, you know, 8.30 to check Google Postmaster, check Microsoft NDS and see what reputation was. And the reason that we do that is to, to your point, to, to see if there are any flags, right? We don't panic if we see a dip, we take that as, okay, something changed, let's take a look at the program. Is it a new audience? Was it the type of messaging? You know, is it just a Gmail hiccup? But we do that daily so that we can keep track of that. And if we do see a pattern or a trend starting, we can take action very quick. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a rolling window of engagement that we use. You know, I refer to our audience as kind of our master mailable, which is the people that we're okay to send to on a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. And that ebbs and flows over time. And that is different for, for every domain. You know, for Gmail, we've kind of settled on about six months of a rolling window. You have to engage with us in the past six months to be part of that mailing group. You know, we extend that to seven months, to eight months, to nine months. We start to see dips in reputation. So we know we kind of need to back off. And it, I won't call it a game, but it is kind of the game you play of, you know, how much can I send before I start seeing performance degradation and reputation degradation? And then you make adjustments accordingly. Mm -hmm. And that's different literally at every domain that we work with. So Gmail may be at six months, Microsoft may be at nine months, Verizon may be only at three months to keep those engagement levels high. And, you know, it's a lot of work to keep track of it, but the juice is worth the proverbial squeeze. And I don't think it's something that is nice to be doing. I think it's something that you really have to be doing to maintain that reputation and to ensure that all of the work that's going into creative and segmentation and messaging and everything else actually gets seen by the people that you're trying to get in front of. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I agree 100%. Um, and 
I'm just taking a moment because you've covered a lot of it already, but you know, <laughs> successful programs really boil down to a couple of key components, right? You've got to be able to focus on the detail so that you can understand strengths and weaknesses, uh, utilize the trending uh, for understanding if it's a pervasive issue that's been lasting or if it's just a one-time fluctuation or hiccup, like you said, and being flexible so that you can accommodate for customization, both on a customer level for personalization and, and their needs and wants, but also on a provider level. And by provider, I mean those mailbox uh, providers, the receivers, because their needs and algorithms are different between each one. So what works for one may not work for another. Um, you might be need to be stricter, like you said, with Microsoft than maybe with a Gmail or Yahoo who can maybe adjust themselves a little quicker. So, and I, I think, you know, comparing your performance P, pre and post reputation correction, um, the adage is less is more, right? At least that's what I, I believe. And we talk, and you mentioned this earlier in our conversation, we talk a lot about rates. My open rates are good. My click rates are good, but we don't always think about counts. So when you think about counts, you often want to make sure you're looking at it as, okay, well, I mailed 500,000 and I'm getting 20,000 opens. But in some cases, when that 500,000 isn't the best quality, if you trim out the deadwood and you bring it down to even 400, now all of a sudden you might be seeing 30,000. So the extra volume doesn't always equate to opens. Sometimes it does, but it's really something that you have to feel through and figure out, is this worth it? Um, because it's a, in doing so, and all these little tweaks that you make, it's really important, especially if you are getting more. I mean, for you, you were 1% open rate, probably very few opens, and now you exceeded that. And so, you know, it's a testament to how important it is to take care of your reputation. Um, so moving on, sorry, a couple more questions because I'll keep going. Um, sure. I want to step back just for a second because I have a couple more, but I want to lead you into them. So how do you use your email for your company? And you briefly touched on this, but specifically, what are the ways that you use email? Sure. So we have a couple different programs. Obviously, we have lead nurturing after somebody opts in and wants some information. That's hearing-related content, education around hearing aids, hearing loss, everything like that. We have our typical marketing and promotional emails, you know, sales, Black Friday, we are direct to consumer. So that go out post-purchase, we have onboarding and maintenance emails that go out. Um, I mentioned earlier, we have a team of licensed hearing professionals that are available to our customers. Mm -hmm. They can contact us, they can ask their questions, we can help them with adjustments, but we wanna support that and try to reduce calls when they're not necessary by providing some of that education mm -hmm. through emails, through that onboarding period. So mm -hmm. how-to videos, information at key points post-purchase, just to make their onboarding and their, their user experiences as pleasant as possible. And then finally, we have what we call one-to-one -one emails, which are emails from our sales team when they're communicating directly to leads as well. So we like to coordinate with them, make sure that there's no collision of maybe a large outreach that they're planning on a day when we're doing other emails, keeping the messages on brand, um, things like that, just to stay coordinated so that one handles what the other hand's doing. Okay, great. And so that's going to lead us into, I have three more questions. So the first two, I think that leads us nicely into what do you anticipate? You know, what question I'm coming up with the Apple <laughs> change 
and the overall movement toward just suppressing open tracking will bring to ergo. And the second question, um, knowing your email programs, at least the, the larger sends, it's not necessarily to sell, but educate and to nurture those things. What are the metrics that um, you think you're going to have to rely on more in to replace what you may lose with open tracking suppression? Yeah, definitely a timely subject. Um, lots of webinars going on, lots of communications in various groups on LinkedIn and, and everywhere else. So the short answer is we're not 100% sure yet, right? Um, what I do know is that just under about half of our opens occur on mobile. And of those, about 60% of those are on Apple devices. So it has the potential to be obviously very large impact. And as I said earlier, you know, we rely on this open data heavily to determine what our targeting should look like and what the, that master mailable population should ebb and flow to contain. We lose that open data. For us, it's not just as easy as, as okay, let's start looking at click data as an intense signal instead of open. You know, there's, there's a lot of chatter right now that people are saying that opens were never really a great proxy because a click shows more intent. And I don't disagree with that, but with our model, we're a little bit different. You know, the majority of our sales happen over the phone. So people are taking our emails, they're reading that information, but they're more likely to pick up the phone and call us to place an order than they are to click through. So our click rates may be lower than another, you know, B2C or direct-to-consumer company. So, you know, how are we going to react? I'm not sure yet. You know, we may have to start sending shorter emails that tease content and then link people to landing pages for more content, similar to what you might see in a newsletter, right? You get a small blurb and then you get the read more button or read more link to take you to the full content. That may be something that we have to do to get our click rates up to be able to identify who is engaging. Mm -hmm. More likely than not, we'll have to be looking at other pieces of data, you know, website visits, or can we tie a call to our sales rep to an email that we send, looking at things more holistically, trying to figure that out. But, you know, I don't have the answers today. I don't know that anybody has the answers today, but it's something that everybody should be thinking about so that they're not caught off guard in September when this rollout happens. Definitely. And it's, a topic that I think we're going to have some heat and movement on for some time. I don't think Apple's going to be the only one. So it's going to be lots of webinars for some time, <laughs> but I'm really excited to see where it takes us, you know, just to, to be at that point, to watch email evolve and the innovation that comes from it. I I'm excited about it to also see that emails um, taking into consideration consumer privacy and how the providers are gonna really uh, embrace it and then make the adjustments moving forward. Um, it's gonna help to drive also, I think, uh, you know, I think the hard part is how do you personalize while also, and, and have great targeting while also meeting the receiver's needs and your customers. So it's just a big balancing act and it's, I find it very intriguing. So I'm excited, but I might be the only one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll say nervously excited. How's that? Right, okay, there we go. We'll go with that. <laughs> so um, for my final question, and you know, it's easy for me to say you should do X, Y, and Z. And I, you know, I'm removed from the actual business and I'm just coming in with potential strategies for you. But for someone who's in it day to day, 
what advice do you have for others? And it could be around metrics, your plan, discussions with management, which I know you talked about briefly, um, for going list size, what have you. Sure. So first off, I think you need to you need to understand the email landscape and everything involved in it. Right. It's it's not as easy as here's a beautiful piece of creative. Here's a list. Send this beautiful piece of creative to everybody on the list. Mm-hmm. Right. So you need to understand authentication and list management and deliverability. And if it's not something that you as a marketer, as an email marketer, are comfortable with or, or familiar with. You know, work with a provider, work with a consultant who is, and let them educate you, gain that understanding, but make sure that you're not missing out on something very basic, like not having the right authentication protocols in your DNS entry. Mm-hmm. Um, second, we talked about this, you have to set internal expectations around what you can do and what you should do, because those are sometimes vastly different things, right? I can send 400,000 emails tomorrow, but I probably shouldn't. So setting those expectations up front and letting everybody know that these are best practices and this is why we do this. Educating people that are outside of email, because again, I think there is this thought of email is cheap and it's easy and it's quick. So we should be sending as much as we possibly can. Which leads into your point of less is more. And and I absolutely agree because however, The amount of emails you send doesn't really matter. It's the amount of emails that people are engaging with. And kind of back to where this discussion started, I can send 50,000 emails, but if I'm only getting a 1% open rate, I'm not doing myself any good, right? So know what you should be doing. Focus on those engaged individuals. Those are going to be your most valuable customers, and those are going to be the people that you can communicate with that are going to keep your reputation high. Um, stick to best practices. Um, the word best is right there in the title. They're called best for a reason. <laughs> and, you know, to state the obvious, don't do the things that you shouldn't be doing. You know, don't rent lists. Don't send email to people that haven't opted in. Honor unsubscribes. Um, and, and I know that last one seems like that's really obvious and I shouldn't have to say that. But over the course of the past year, I've seen two separate state of email reports that you know, the industry puts out. And I mean, I was shocked. Only two thirds of the marketers that were surveyed that responded said that they're actively scrubbing lists and managing opt-outs. And <laughs> I mean, I, I literally stopped. I must've been staring at the screen with my jaw, you know, thinking that it was a typo because that just seems like that, that's email 101, right? Yeah. And, you know, can spam aside, you're only going to hurt your reputation if you're not doing and adhering to those kind of best practices. Um, you know so I've always when I explain this to people when you have to explain email reputation I've always likened it to a personal relationship right so when you start out you've got a new domain or a new IP address there's really no trust there because there's no history to build that trust on it's a blank slate Mm -hmm. right so what you do from that point going forward determines your reputation or how your partner in this relationship trusts you right everything you do from day one is what counts Mm-hmm. So it takes a lot of time to build up that trust little by little by doing all of the right things, one bad act, and you can completely destroy that trust, right? Or in the email side or your reputation. So read the signs, monitor your, your reputation, you know, look for flags, reassess what you're doing when you see that there is potentially something wrong. 
and make adjustments before that reputation is lost, right? So don't wait for one huge bad thing to happen and then continue to snowball, stay on top of it. If you see something's wrong, take actions to fix it, right? And, and with that, I've not only given you email advice, I've given you some valuable relationship advice. <laughs> Furiously takes notes. <laughs> so true, though. Um, I know it's all technology, but it really is trust building, essentially. So um, this is this has been great, and I, I could probably talk to you for uh, an hour or more or longer because I, I, I love the advice. I love your experience, and and where anything you need, you work on your EMO programs, you really do have fantastic intent behind it. So. Um, you know, you might have another calling in life, who knows, <laughs> but it, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Um, thank you so much for, for joining me to discuss um, your path and journey from, you know, the, the spam folder to the inbox. Um, I loved the technique that you used, your real life results that we were able to share and the perspective coming from the client side. Um, yeah, hopefully so it helps you. others, you know, again, this is uh, something that not a lot of people have experience in. So hopefully the real life example can, can make it not so scary for somebody else. Definitely. Definitely. And thanks to all those who took the time to sit with us as we went through Ergo's journey. Um, I'm sorry, Ergo's journey and um, cheers to you. And I hope you continue to have success with your program, the best to Ergo and, and the program that you're putting out and in your business um, and helping all those um, to help hear the world again. So um, if you have a story to tell, please let us know. Feel free to reach out to myself or the Kickbox team on Twitter. Otherwise, have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks, Jen. Bye-bye.